Yo, what up, what up, what up? This is your boy DJ J Smooth back in the back in the booth, back at it. Now I'm just playing everybody. Welcome back, everybody. This episode we're gonna be talking a little bit more about heaven, what you were made for. Welcome back to Crossing the Jordan, everybody. I pray that you are each doing wonderful. Today, we're hopping back into our last topic that we just talked about was heaven. And I felt like there was a few more things I wanted to hit on. And we can always just keep going and going because the God is inexhaustible. His wonders are inexhaustible. The church is inexhaustible. We could constantly go on about more and more topics. And we will. We're going to go more and more in depth, diving deeper in with Jesus and his church. But today, I wanted to hit on a few more points about heaven, particularly... One, I wanted to provide just a little bit that like, hey, people in heaven are more involved in the earth than we are. They're more alive than we are. So this isn't a Saints apologetics podcast by any means. We're going to have a full other series someday soon, hopefully, uh, about Saints. But to give a little bit of, hey, Saints in heaven, we're not separated from them. We're actually more in, we're really, really in communion with them because they're even more alive in Jesus. So we're going to be talking about that for a little bit. And then also we're going to be talking about, there's actually different levels of heaven. There's different reward in heaven. And so we're going to talk about uh, the scripture that 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 is and the analogy that I thought was really, really helpful on what that is. So let's go through fairly briefly a few scripture verses that gives us the whole context of saints in heaven. And we all know that anybody who is in heaven has been uh, all by grace by Jesus. Nobody's in heaven apart from Jesus. Everybody in there, uh, because apart from Christ, you can do nothing, right? So uh, people who are in Jesus in heaven, it's precisely that they're in heaven because they are united to Christ. It's by his grace and uh, the grace operating in people's lives and them responding to Jesus's grace out of his great love for us. And if remember if what we learned last time that heaven is a encounter, perfect communion with God's love, uh, perfect love being poured out in, into us and us giving it back to God, then we're actually even more alive than ever. <laughs> So uh, where do we see this at? So let's jump over to Revelations 5.8 where it says this, And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and with golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And so throughout the whole New Testament, nearly every single reference to saints are saints, Christians here on earth. So these are 24 elders, which represent men, spirits of men who have died. And 24 is symbolic of the priesthood. So uh, it represents priests offering bowls of incense that which represent, which are the prayers of the saints. So you can see that right away in there that the spirits of men, which by the way, Mary in the book of Revelation is the only one who has her body. Uh, and so the the saints are all there worshiping and praying for the saints on earth. They're representing, they're praying. They know what, what we're praying to offer it to God. We're in perfect communion. Um, and so, and then throughout the gospels, you hear Jesus talking about being, when we're judged, that those who have invested well, are given more responsibility over cities. So, for example, in like Luke nineteen seventeen, and this kind of gets to the topic that we're going to b- talk about today about uh, merits and reward and heaven and different levels of glory. He talks about good and faithful servant. I'm going to send you over. 10 cities and I'm going to give you even greater responsibility because he brought 10 talents out of what he gave. And so each of those people who are judged in this parable, he is, he is giving a reward in proportion to the, t- the talents that they brought back, the investment. So it's proportional. And so they are, they're given authority over cities. 
So we see people that are united to Jesus in heaven have authority over cities here on earth. And when Christ is asked about uh, the resurrection from the dead by the Sadducees, who only believed in the first five, the, the law, the first five books of the Old Testament, um, the book of Moses, they didn't believe in the resurrection from the dead. So the Sadducees are asking Jesus about the resur- resurrection from the dead to test him. And this is in Matthew 22, Mark 12, and Luke 20. But when they go on to talk about the resurrection from the dead, which by the way, he could have gone to the prophets where it's very clear that uh, there was this development of this Jewish expectation that the that the um, that there be a resurrection from the dead. But the Sadducees didn't use it, so Jesus didn't go to this text that they didn't be- that they didn't believe in. He went and used the first five books because that he's going to meet them where they are, just like all we should. So what does he say to them though about the resurrection from the dead? He says, "You are wrong." Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. So people who are fallen, that die in friendship with Jesus, they're not dead. They're living. God is the God of the, of the living. And that is the whole point of Jesus' resurrection to show that there is more to more to this life, right? We Our whole uh, purpose of us being created in love is also to be fully united in perfect love that we are created in and to be in full communion with God and uh, in all of his creation in right order. And so, uh, and then when we hop over to, we see this in Matthew 19 and 28 and Luke twenty-two thirty, 30, where Jesus tells the apostles that they're going to sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And what do we see in Revelation 21 and 9 through 14? It's the vision of the bride coming down from heaven. It's the bride, the church of the lamb, the church of Jesus coming down from heaven. And what was the foundation? The 12 names of the 12 apostles of the lamb. So he tells the apostles that they're going to be uh, judging in, in heaven. They're going to be the, the foundation of, of the kingdom of God. And uh, so we see that right in Revelation and uh, the 12 apostles being the foundation of the church. And in Hebrews 12, 1, we see in Hebrews, I believe 10 and 11, there's this litany of all these Old Testament heroes who walked by faith. And then what does it say? Since we are surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, that cloud of witnesses would have been a reference back to the glory cloud, where it was God's presence. So it's the it's the saints who um, have gone before us, who have died in friendship with with Jesus, had in right order and love of God in their hearts, that they died by the grace of Jesus and and were united to to God. Um, they're in that cloud of witnesses. They're in God's presence fully. And the term witness is that they are very involved, that they're actually looking, they're watching, they're seeing, they're interceding. All of those things that go along with being in the cloud of witnesses. And then just a little bit after that, in uh, that same chapter of Hebrews, chapter 12, in verses 22 through 24, the author is talking about the mass. And what is what does he say? And this is uh, comparing it to what Moses saw on that holy mountain. And he says, But you have come to Mount Zion in the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in feastal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to a judge who is God of all, and to the spirits 
of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks more graciously than the, than the blood of Abel. Talking about the Mass. So every single time we go to Mass, we are literally going on to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, because we are in full communion in the worship of heaven here on earth in the Mass. Um, by the Eucharist, the the new co- the new and eternal covenant by Jesus, the mediator of that new covenant. And what are we surrounded by? Innumerable angels and the spirits of just men made perfect. So the reason also that we know that he's not just referring to some future time uh, at like at the second coming is because at the second coming, we're all going to have our bodies. We're going to all have our bodies. Um, and that's what makes us different than the angels. They're pure spirits. We are not. So like when we go to heaven uh, before God, Jesus comes back, we don't have our bodies with us. We're we're pure spirits. And there's some, there's actually some form of like lack of fulfillment in that because God has made us uh, human beings that have a body and he has fully redeemed us. So in the second coming, we will actually receive our full glorified bodies in union with Jesus. And so here, what does it say? It's the spirits of just men made perfect. So it's the people who have passed before us in union with Jesus who are with us. And then in Colossians 1.12, St. Paul, this is really one of the only times in, in the entire New Testament where the saints seems to and appears to be referring to saints in heaven here because he's, he calls them that we are sharing in the, inherit, in the inheritance of the saints in light, the saints in light. And in Romans 8, St. Paul is talking about how nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And he talks about what can separate us, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Then later he goes on to say, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So nothing can separate us from the love of God. Specifically when we die, we're not separated from Christ. We're more fully united to him as we have been seeing. And in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 3, this is when St. Paul is reminding the Corinthian believers the dignity of them as believers as in, in, of being Christian. In verse 6, in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 3, he says, Do you not know that we are to judge angels? And we see a lot of people being completely fine with interceding and talking with angels. And St. Paul says we're going to be higher than the angels, right? And this is what we talk about, how Christ became lower than the angels for a little while. And then he was glorified. Um, and in our human, we're actually, and this is this is really the fall of Satan, is because he was a perfectly good angel, the angel of light, who decided that that this plan of God and for humanity to be lifted up like God uh, is just way too much for him. And so he is envious and fell and fell and wants to destroy all of us. So, um, and that's, that's another, uh, person who Jesus came to destroy. And so we're to judge angels. This is our, our dignity, our inheritance, our, uh, perfect love and union with God. And when we talk about judging and having authority in heaven, we're not just talking about a separated from God. It's we're perfectly in God's will. So we're doing every single thing in heaven that God wants us to do. We know perfectly God's will at that, at that time. And uh, and our decision is made up and God, uh, um, we're living fully in union with God. And then lastly, in Ephesians 1, uh, such a beautiful chapter about the, the church. And so Ephesians 1, uh, one of my favorite verses, Ephesians 1, 22 through 23, St. Paul says that God has put all things under Jesus's feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the Catholic church is the fullness 
of Jesus extended into the world. And then Ephesians 3.10, St. Paul says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. So again, we're to judge angels and yet still here, the principalities and even powers in heaven are waiting for the church. <laughs> they're, sub- they're subjected to the church because what is the church? The body of Christ and Christ has the full authority. So what does the church have? Because it is his body. It's, it's Jesus extended into this world. So we have that authority as well. So long story short, guess what? People in heaven are very, very, very active. They have authority. They're perfectly united in Christ. And then uh, to the last point here, we have different degrees of reward in heaven. So we're going to go through a few, but like what we referenced earlier, you know, like Christ all throughout the gospels talks about how those are going to be given in proportion to um, a reward in proportion to the gifts or the really the talents or investments that they've made in this life, right? So as an example of what we also talked about earlier too is Luke 19:17, where Jesus says, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And this is the person who brought ten talents, and the person who brought five talents received five cities uh, to have authority over. So we see this, this different reward um, based on what they brought, right? So in Matthew 16, 27, Jesus says, The Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, And then he will repay every man for what he has done. In Romans uh, 2, 6 through 11, St. Paul says this, For he, Jesus, will will render to every man according to his works, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are factious and do not obey truth, but obey wickedness, for there, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also and the Greek also. For God shows no partiality. 1 Corinthians 3.8, St. Paul says, He who plants and he who waters are equal, and each shall receive his wages according to his labor. So he says right there that we're all equal. And we are all one in Christ, right? There he says that in several places. He's talking about the dignity that each of us have. We're all equal in him. And we're going to get to this beautiful analogy earlier. Like, oh, so does that mean the people that are higher in heaven are happier than the people who are lower in heaven? Like all these different glories. And are they sad? Are the people that are lower sad because they're not as high as the other ones? Nope. We're going to get to that in a second. But, uh, and then 1 Corinthians 15, 40 through 42. This entire section right here is St. Paul talking about the resurrection of the dead. And this is what St. Paul, uh, as an analogy and a parallel to the different glories uh, that people will receive at the resurrection of the dead, this is what he says, starting in verse 40, going through 42. There are celestial bodies and there are terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. And then he caps it off with the beginning of verse 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. So there it is like flat out. He's comparing like all these different glories of stars and uh, these celestial and terrestrial bodies and how in the resurrection of the dead, it's going to be different. Everybody has these different degrees of glory. Second Corinthians 9 through 6, or 9, 6, St. Paul says, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. 
and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And St. Paul loves using that uh, uh, analogy of reaping and sowing. And what does he, or uh, sowing and reaping. And what does he say right here? He says, it, these people are still uh, going to reap, right? At the, end, at the end, he says in this verse, but both of them are going to reap compared to how they sowed. So he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Then Galatians 7 through 10 Uh, St. Paul says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Again, the the, uh, proportion uh, rule right there. For he who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we do not lose heart. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And then, a revela- and then in Revelation twenty two twelve, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense to repay everyone for what he has done. So we see all throughout uh, Jesus and the apostles teaching that there's different levels of glory, different levels of heaven, different levels of reward and merit. And this is actually uh, not to go too far into this because we uh, already talked about it a fair amount of like faith and works. Well, the church doesn't teach about faith and works because works are completely dead outside of Christ, right? There is no, there's nothing that you can do uh, to merit justification, righteousness, um, salvation at all outside of Jesus. It's in Jesus. It's all by grace. But once we are in in Jesus, we're performing the works that he has prepared for us ahead of time, right? Ephesians 2.10. So we're, we're doing the works of Christ or Christ really is work, doing the work through us. So in uh, Jesus here and St. Paul talking about reaping and sowing or, uh, you know, according to what someone has brought, that's the reward that they get. So this proportionate, um, you know, giving glory or giving uh, different levels of heaven. It's all based on merit or reward, and the the reward and that we see in the English text, really the the Greek word for uh, the Greek or the Latin, I think it might be the Latin, is really the the merit, and that's what we talk about when somebody merits something. It's not them by them. It's not by them by themselves. It's them cooperating with Christ. So because Christ teaches it, Saint Paul teaches it, the whole New Testament teaches it that uh, we receive different levels of heaven based on what we have done in Jesus. Before Jesus, nothing. <laughs> in Jesus. We can do all things. Amen. So here's the analogy that I love hearing because kind of what I mentioned earlier about, you know, uh, those in 1 Corinthians 3, 8, when St. Paul talks about being equal and then each receiving his wages according to his labor. Like, so are the people, are, are they going to be sad in heaven if people are higher than, the, higher than them or have more glory than them? No, not at all. Because in heaven, there is no tear that everything is perfected in heaven um, at the end of time. And so the analogy that I've heard before and what I'm going to leave with you is this beautiful analogy that kind of describes all of this uh, different levels of heaven perfectly. Um, So every single person has a different size cup, but every single person's cup is full. Every single person may have a different size cup, but all of them are full. Every single one. So we're full in heaven. We We have no lack. We have everything that we want and need. Every single thing. We're never going to be sad. We're going to be in perfect communion with God, uh, each other, and all of creation, right? A new heavens and a new earth. Everything is transfigured by grace, not destroyed. So a new heavens and a new earth. And we see that in Revelation, you know, um, 
at the end of time, the church coming down from, from, from God, from heaven, and this new heavens and the new earth. And that's what we await for, you know, First Thessalonians 5, uh, the second coming. And that's what we want Jesus to come. And so uh, to renew the, the face of the earth and the whole universe and a new heavens and a new earth. But every single person, different size cup, but every single one of them full. God bless you. Thank you.